0: Um, I remember a particular discussion occurring during one of my politics classes when I was teaching in Sullivan Upper, which does seem now like a bit of a lifetime ago. And this particular discussion, not unusually, I have to admit, was a digression from the politics syllabus. Normally, such digressions would involve a round object which is known as a football. But on this particular occasion, we actually had strayed into a discussion of the Christian faith. And this was an A-level class. And one of the girls in the class who had a reputation for being um, somewhat forthright in expressing her opinions, she spoke up and said that as far as she was concerned, and as far as she could see, Christianity was merely a crutch for people who just can't cope with life. Now, I was very tempted to put her in detention <laughs> there and then, but in the interests of free speech, I didn't. And in actual fact, the view that this uh, pupil was was um, espousing is one that has been expressed by major thinkers down through the years. Uh, Karl Marx, for example, he famously said that religion was the opium of the masses. He argued that religion helped deflect from the pain and suffering caused by economic alienation. Basically, the masses, the proletariat, as he called them, were stopped from revolting against this oppressive capitalist order by religious teaching that not only encouraged obedience and submission, but also offered this false hope of eternal bliss where wrongs would be righted, and there would be peace and justice. Friedrich Nietzsche, author of the famous saying that God is dead, contended that faith, particularly faith in a Christian deity, was the means by which weak people coped with the challenge of living in what he said was a meaningless universe. And the famous psychologist Sigmund Freud argued that religion was infantile, akin to a child's need for a father figure. God is like some great daddy in the sky. Basically, the projection of our wish to be loved and protected. And those who retain belief in God basically do so due to their personal neuroses and their emotional hang ups. So I'm sure that you get the sort of picture here. What is being said is that faith is the recourse of those who, for a variety of intellectual, psychological, and emotional factors, cannot cope without it. They just need it to get through life. And none more so, it should be said, than when we are faced with the loss of a loved one. We then comfort ourselves with some thought that they have gone to glory, to a better place, or some other version of a blissful eternal resting place. So is my rather brazen pupil from yesterday right? Are these thinkers as well? Are they right? Is religious belief just a crutch for weak people? Now I should say that given that this series of talks is one of apologetics for the Christian faith, I am largely then confining myself to that particular faith. So not so much religion in general as Christianity in particular. And also, and Jeff has sort of alluded to this uh, earlier, I'm going to seek to adopt the model that we've used so far in this series which is really, first of all, to give some points of defense against the charge in question, before then turning the tables and sort of making some points of counterattack, or if you like, seeking to turn an objection or a roadblock to faith into an actual signpost to faith in Jesus Christ. So here then are some points of defence against this charge that Christianity is just a crutch for the weak. And that is W-E-A-K, not W-E-E-K. So number one, Christianity has been and still is embraced by some of the finest minds around It is surely the height of arrogance, if not folly, to maintain that Christianity is something that only ignorant people would believe. Yes, of course, many leading philosophers and other clever people advocate an atheistic worldview, particularly today. But there are other leading thinkers on the side of faith too. Men like in history, Augustine, Thomas Aquinas, or later C.S. Lewis. Scientists like Kepler and Newton. Or in today's world, the likes of Oz Guinness, John Lennox, Tim Keller. If you are familiar with their writings, you will have a hard job writing these guys off as intellectual pygmies. And amongst the fields of law, medicine, and politics, Christians are very well represented. So there is absolutely nothing to be embarrassed about um, in believing in God or in the specific doctrines of the Christian faith. And despite the aspersions of some of the more militant members of the atheistic community, Christianity is in no way lacking in intellectual credibility. In fact, to maintain that it is only those who are intellectually lacking who would ever subscribe to the Christian worldview is, it's, it's just silly. It's preposterous. Number two, rather than emotionally weak, many Christians show remarkable courage and fortitude. Yes, amongst those who have embraced Christianity, there will be those with all sorts of emotional baggage and wreckage. But this is also true of those without any religious faith at all. Indeed, is it not an observable reality that as the Western world's moorings to the Christian faith have weakened, so there has been a marked increase, indeed an explosion, in mental health issues. And as alternative perspectives advocated by secularists have gained popularity, such as theories of, you know, identity and oppression... Do we find now a more robust population able to stand up to the ups and downs of human existence? The term snowflake generation has risen for a reason. Yet, in contrast, think of the moral courage that is shown by Christians who have to contend with state and communal persecution in many parts of our world. Think of the Christians who endure economic hardship with fortitude and who deal with the deathbed with serenity. Think of those Christians who have risen above hatred and the desire for revenge, to forgive their enemies and their oppressors. To write off such people as emotional and psychological wrecks who need a crutch flies in the face of the bravery and endurance shown by many followers of Jesus Christ through history and in our world today. Number three, Christians are often more hard-headed than others. Now, I want to tread carefully here, for this is sensitive ground. But you only have to listen to what some people come out with at funerals, following the death of a loved one or maybe a celebrity, to realise how vacuous is the hope of those who don't possess a personal faith in Jesus Christ, All manner of sentimental and woolly thinking and nonsense is aired, including by not a few atheists. Thoughts like, and you will have heard it, oh, he or she lives on inside of me, or in their children, or in their garden, or in the hearts of their followers you know the sort of thing that I'm talking about because you will have heard it, no doubt. Now that I would contend is pie in the sky. That's escapism. For when the reality of death hits, people will look for anything to bring comfort. And I repeat, this is true of those with no religious faith at all. The pertinent question is then, what are you putting your grounds for comfort in? Is it in reality or an illusion of your own making? And I will be suggesting that far from being pie in the sky, the Christian's hope is grounded on a rock-solid foundation. And the fourth and final point of uh, defense I would ask the question, are atheists immune to wish fulfillment? What we are accused of as Christians being guilty of wish fulfillment. What about the atheist? The atheist may be hoist by his or her own petard, guilty of doing exactly the same thing that they accuse people of faith of doing. The atheistic thinker condemns the Christian for allowing his desire for there to exist some father-like figure who watches over us and into whose bosom we go at death to just simply override his critical faculties. He is said to just succumb to wish fulfillment. But what about the atheist? Is it not true that the atheist desperately wants it to be the case that there is no God. For otherwise, the atheist is going to have to face God at the judgment and will be held to account for his or her unbelief. So it is comforting to the atheist to dismiss the truth claims of Christianity and instead latch on to or swallow the views spouted by secularists and unbelieving scientists. And this is especially so of people who have lived, atheists who have lived an immoral, a very immoral lifestyle, because who wants to give an account to a moral lawgiver for that? And might I add that in some cases, the atheist might perhaps be guilty of projecting an experience of an unhappy childhood onto his or her vision of a godless world. Sigmund Freud, who I mentioned, Sigmund Freud hated his father, and this may have adversely affected and influenced his conception of a God who claims to be the father of mankind. And indeed, It is remarkable. It's a really useful thing to do, to look at the background of many of the leading atheists down through history. And you will be amazed at how many of them either lost their father early in life, through death or through them abandoning them, or they were really estranged from their father. It is an amazing study. My point is that what is sauce for the goose is sauce for the gander. Yes, as a Christian, I very much hope that there is a deity who loves me and who watches over me and into whose presence I'm going to go when I die. But the atheist, if he's honest with himself, is also very much hoping that he has not talked himself into a false conclusion as a result of his desire not to have to answer to God for his life choices. Is he then not guilty of wish fulfillment? I'm going to read to you a remarkable quotation from one of the the top um, atheists in our world today. This is remarkable honesty from a leading atheist. Listen carefully to what Thomas Nagel says. I want atheism to be true. It isn't just that I don't believe in God. It's that I hope there is no God. I don't want there to be a God. I don't want the universe to be like that. That is refreshing, honestly, because he's confessing to what he is wishing. He's wishing that his atheism is true. So I come now to consider um, some, how we can sort of hope to turn the table, turn the tables. How can we make this roadblock, this objection to faith into a signpost to faith? And I've got just three points to make this time. Number one, rather than a crutch, rather than a crutch, perhaps a better metaphor is a stretcher bearer. Rather than a crutch, perhaps a better metaphor is a stretcher bearer, somebody who bears a stretcher. You see, for me, the image of a crutch is of something that I use to get, for, for me to get my own way through life. It's a supplement to my own efforts. But true Christianity rests upon the assumption that I am absolutely helpless on my own. Certainly as a sinner, I can do nothing to merit God's favor, to earn his acceptance such that I take my place in heaven. No, I need another to carry me there. And that stretcher bearer is God's own son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I rely exclusively upon his merits and his power, his saving power. He takes the full weight of my sin. And it is because of his substitutionary death on Calvary's cross that I can be transported safely to the afterlife. There is a sense then in which the critic who ridicules the Christian for needing something to help get him through this life is right. I freely admit I am weak and needy. I cannot make it on my own. If left to my own devices, the one thing I can be sure is I will mess up. So I am more than happy that Jesus Christ promises to be with me at every point of life's journey. I unashamedly rejoice in that truth. But the reality is that all men ultimately are going to be exposed as being needy. For all are weak and sinful. As the Apostle Paul put it in the book of Romans, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. It is only when I come to an end of myself and confess my weakness that I am ready to be accepted into God's kingdom. And those who deny this will in the end come up short, for they will answer for their pride and their arrogance on the day of judgment. Self-reliance will then be exposed for the folly that it is. So better to confess your weakness, your helplessness now, and cast yourself upon the mercy of God and his provision for your rescue from your sin, whilst there's the opportunity to do so. Number two, Christianity offers hope, whereas atheism is hopeless. I don't know about you, but I like to think that there is a purpose to my life, there's a purpose to human life, that I am not here as a result of blind forces, that there is a significance to my existence. Atheism cannot provide me with any meaning beyond trying to make the most out of my 70 to 80 plus years. Ultimately, what does it matter if all we are is matter? I'll say it again. Ultimately, what does it matter if all we are is matter? We just live and die and that's it. I find that totally bleak. And I contrast that grim outlook of atheism with the message of Christianity, that I was made by God for fellowship with him. And should I turn to him and seek forgiveness for my sin, I will enjoy his eternal presence and enjoy the wonderful creation that he has pledged yet to to make. That does help me to get out of my bed in the morning. Well, at least before nine o'clock anyway. (laughs) And it helps me to keep going when life is difficult, when illness hits or bereavement hits. Knowing that I am loved by God and that how I serve him each day actually counts for something, that provides me with an incentive to get on with life. But I see absolutely nothing in atheism that can give that. Now I realize that my critic may respond by saying, look, you've just done exactly what I'm accusing you of, you faith heads off." You are using Christianity to create some sort of false meaning, some sort of make-believe to help you negotiate life. And I would have to say that I would agree 100% with my critical friend if there were no solid grounds for believing that Christianity is true. And that takes me to my third and final point Christianity is based upon solid evidence. Christianity is not some sort of speculative idea dreamt up by philosophers or mystics. Christianity is a belief system that is embedded in, that is tied to human history. Many of its claims can be put to the historical test. And certainly this is true of Christianity's central claim that Jesus of Nazareth, who claimed to be the Son of God, was put to death by the Romans on a cross, but was raised back to life. You can examine the historical evidence for that claim and weigh it against the rival theories of how to explain Jesus' resurrection to try to explain it away. Moreover, you can assess the validity of the Christian's hope by listening to its adherents, its followers, as they testify to how personal faith in Jesus has transformed their lives, of how drug addicts or alcoholics have been released from their addiction, of how men of violence have become peacemakers, of how rogues have become law-abiding citizens. Then decide whether people have succumbed to self-deception and wish fulfillment, or whether they have come to believe in something that is grounded upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ and his victory over sin and death. Christianity is a crutch, a fairy tale which we cling to in the face of life's harsh realities. I beg to differ. Christianity is based on a sure foundation and it offers not an illusion but solid hope. Indeed, it has no peer when it comes to meeting our need for significance in this life and in eternity. So can I ask you, what are you relying upon for negotiating life and life here and now and the hereafter? Are you depending on your own ideas? Are you depending upon the views of men? Are you depending upon your own strength? Are you depending on human relationships? I respectfully suggest that they are crutches which cannot bear the weight of your ultimate need. You can be sure, however, that if you are prepared to put your faith in Jesus Christ, the risen and conquering Lord, he will be with you in all of life's trials and temptations, and He will take you to be with Him in glory. That is the challenge I suggest to those who maintain that Christianity is just a crutch. Thank you for listening to this Castlereagh Fellowship podcast. For more podcasts, Bible teaching videos, and to see what's going on at the church, please visit our website, castlereaghfellowship.com. God bless.